Hey everybody, this is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh, here to bring you a special episode this week, a little bonus episode, if you will, for the Halloween spooky season. We've got a double feature encore presentation for you today of our discussions about Halloween from 2018 and its sequel, Halloween Kills, that was released in 2021. We thought with the finale of the trilogy, Halloween Ends, coming out this weekend, it would be a great time to revisit those movies, revisit those conversations, and get ready for this big ending if Halloween can ever really end, that is coming out in theaters and on Peacock this weekend. So, these are going to be interesting. Not, uh, we, uh, we haven't heard them in a long time. Hall when we did Halloween in 2018, David hadn't even joined the show yet, so you'll just hear from myself and, and Garrett and Andrew. And then when we get into Halloween Kills, David will be there with us. So it's a nice little evolution of the show, I think. And Halloween is, is pre-pandemic, so I don't even know what to expect there. Halloween Kills is in the middle of it. It's going to be a fun double feature, I think. So, if you haven't heard these before, hopefully you're in for a treat. And if you have heard them before, hopefully you will take the time to sit with us and enjoy them again as we get ready uh, for Halloween Ends. So, without further ado, please enjoy this 2018 encore presentation of Halloween, followed by another encore presentation of Halloween Kills. Hello everybody, you're listening to So Many Sequels, I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett, and I'm really excited to be here to talk about this love story about the one that got away. Yeah. Aww. Uh, about it, it makes sense. Full disclosure up front, we are talking about Halloween 2018. The movie just came out a little bit ago, so there will absolutely be spoilers in this episode. This is your one and only warning. From here on out, it's Spoiler City. Spoilers! In this version of Halloween, all the others, except the first one, are deleted. Bye-bye. See you later. Backspace, backspace, backspace. Aha. Highlight. Delete. All gone. This is a direct sequel to the original film by John Carpenter, John Carpenter that came out in the 70s. It is 40 years later, 40 years to the day, Halloween night. It's also been 40 years since Halloween came out in 1978. That's 40 years, right? Yep. In this one, we see Laurie Strode has become almost, not almost, obsessed with the idea of Michael Myers escaping prison and coming to find her, and she must protect herself and her family. She's kind of been ostracized from society. She lost custody of her daughter when she was young. She, her daughter is now an, an adult with her own daughter. Lori's daughter is played by Judy Greer. Obviously, Jamie Lee Curtis returns as Lori in this one, and Michael escapes. Go figure. Go figure. They couldn't have it without him escaping. So Michael is back on the run again, trying to hunt down Lori, but Lori is also trying to hunt down Michael. And that's where we are. Rule number one, don't ever put psychotic serial killers on buses and transport them <laughs> in the night. Yeah. A lot of poor choices were made, not only in this movie, but in the original in terms of how you handle this type of situation. But, you know, that's show business, folks. Yep. <laughs> we wouldn't have a movie if we didn't have that. Yeah, we open in a in the prison where Michael is being held now. 
he is days away from being transferred to another facility where he will spend the rest of his days locked up. And a, a pair of investigative journalists, which is their fancy way of saying they make a podcast, are at the prison to try to talk to Michael, who has still not ever spoken since he was a child. Not spoken at all since the the babysitter murders in the 70s. And they're trying to do their true crime podcast about him. One of the things that, so there have been, obviously a lot of podcasts have been talking about this movie, like pop culture podcasts that I listen to. And they were talking about the portrayal of podcasters in this movie and how it was like, they don't have the right equipment. They're out and about doing their narration in cars and not doing this stuff right. The And I don't care about all that. Nobody really cares about all that. But the one thing that did bother me is they're supposed to be journalists and they paid Lori for the interview and they don't do, and journalists don't do that. But also it seems like, and I think this was a conscious decision because we'll get it throughout the themes of the movie. But one thing that the podcasters did was they picked at Lori and her life and all of the trauma and the problems that she had gone through. But they tried to humanize Michael Myers to an extent. They tried to like reason it and they tried to give him a happy ending, I guess, because they wanted to bring them together and do all of this stuff. And it's just, ugh, it made my skin crawl the way they picked at all the things that she did of like, well, you have all of these problems. You're not great. And it was just, ugh, made me upset. I didn't like it. Yeah, they, the journalists were not very good at jur being journalists. They were not, they did not have a solid moral compass, as you would say. I mean... Before we get to the the classic Halloween opening credits, it le what leads into that is one of the journalists screaming at Michael Myers to say something while he's waving his old mask in front of him. It's wrong on so many levels. Well, here's the thing. He stood behind him. Why didn't you just go to the front? Go in front of his face. Like, he's yelling and screaming at his back. Go mm -hmm. If you want to really, like, you don't have to scream at him, but, like, go to the front. Meet him face to face. Show him the mask and then see what happens. Maybe he charges you. That'd be good for your podcast. No, because it's a podcast. Well, no I mean, one you would see it. it. That's true. You'd hear it. But one thing that, so there's a, throughout this month, as we've been doing our Halloween tribute, there's another podcast that I highly recommend called Halloween Unmasked. And they kind of get into the history of Halloween and whatnot. And they, in their final episode, they talked to some of the filmmakers about this movie and what I liked about it is the way that the females are portrayed. They talk about how this movie undoes everything, which was smart. And the way they compare it is like Christopher Nolan's Batman doesn't take away from the Michael Keaton Batman and the Tim Burton Batmans and all of the other Batmans. It's just a reimagining. And so when they first came out and were like, this is going to be a direct sequel to Halloween, I was like, how are they going to do that? But it just makes sense. And they made this movie about the effects that it had on Lori. Her being a victim. And they there are small references to like the Me Too movement and the Time's Up movement throughout the movie. So they, But they've got all these messages and these things like that about how people don't understand how something so traumatic can stay with somebody throughout their whole life. And, and just... There's so many people that are like, why don't you just let go of it? Why don't you just let go of it? And she is admittedly got some problems, but in the end, she was right. And in the end, she stood up and she was strong. 
and she they beat his ass at the end. It was I really liked the way that they got rid of all of the other stuff and brought it back to the original and made a strong message out of it. Now you pretty much hit the nail on the head because one of the things I loved about this movie was that Jamie Lee Curtis is back in action. I've you've not seen too much of Jamie Lee Curtis in the last few years. And I'm glad that she's back and she's still doing stuff, number one. Number two, she kicked ass She kicked ass in this movie. And I think she did a great job of going coming full circle here with when it comes to the Halloween movies. Because in the first one, as you said earlier, her character just wasn't... I mean, her character was the central character, but her character just wasn't developed right. And I think one of the things about this movie is that they took its time... And they developed the characters. I applaud the writing very much here. Yeah, in the secondary timeline, Lori's story gets very muddy. It, it really gets kind of reset twice because in one of the mini sequels, she's killed in a car crash and she is brought back to life basically for Halloween H2. And they explain that away as her faking her death. And now she gets to come face to face with Michael again. And that's kind of the idea they took with Halloween 2018, but they did it right. They made their meeting the right way this time. So, yeah, I would agree that they did a much better job with the character than they did in the previous timeline. Well, and so they talked in one of the interviews that I listened to, the filmmakers talked about all of the things that they wanted to ignore. And if you think about... You know, and this is something that I wish horror movies would consider, is that you don't have to have a movie connect in every single way. So the problem with this franchise that I can tell, the first mistake they made was making Laurie Michael's sister. That's something I don't think John Carpenter was like liked, but it was just something that they did to connect it. And then, because of that, every movie had to do with Laurie or the Strode family. So in the movies that Laurie wasn't in, it was like her niece or some, I don't remember what Halloween 4 was, but it was somehow connected to the family and you pigeonhole yourself into that kind of a story is it has to connect to Laurie and it has to connect to this and it has to connect to the family and it has to be blah, 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 blah. With this, they're no longer related and it goes back to the just evil essence of Michael Myers because he is a crazy psychopathic serial killer who can kill anyone. It doesn't have to be a mission to murder his family. It doesn't have to be a mission to murder people connected to Lori. He can kill anybody and that makes him scarier. And he I made the joke about getting the one that got away. Like sure he in this movie he's still going after Lori because she's the one that got away and because she's the reason that he's in jail but it also if he were to have succeeded and they're obvious I mean this movie's been a success they will likely make another one in some way shape or form yeah Michael didn't die but it doesn't have to have Lori in it it can go a different route it can follow the granddaughter she seems to be someone who might take it over but he doesn't have to have a connection he can go amongst and find a whole new victim and escape and however he wants 
because they undid all of that, so now he has no connection and he can just be his wild, crazy serial killer self. And that's scary. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah, I'll be... I'm very interested to see how they go forward with it because I'm uh, 99% sure that they will. Because while they did take out the blood relation between Michael and Lori, that relationship of time is still there. The fact that he wanted to hunt her down after 40 years connects them in a way. And so I would be surprised to see them throw that away and have him move on to like somebody brand new because that's such a intense motivation to 40 years think about how you didn't get her or whatever his motivation is. Because quite frankly, we don't really even know that. We're just assuming it because it seems likely, but there's still no explanation for why Michael does what he does. And that's what I like. The mo- that's why I like him so much as a character. You can only assume he's trying to hunt her down because he couldn't get her, but damn, who knows? Right. He don't. He doesn't speak. He refuses to speak. And while you know we see that is clearly on his mind with the fact that he goes to her secluded home, he is in no hurry to do that. No. In the movie, no. He still just wanders through the neighborhood, killing aimlessly in homes. So it's like. You just can't figure him out. You you cannot figure him out. You don't technically know that he's going after Lori. It could just be one of those things where it was like a happenstance where she interfered in his murdering. How rude. And he saw her and was like, oh, she's still around. Okay, this is fun. I was just going to murder people, but now I can go after her again because... Yeah, there's no proof that he was just on a mission to get her. He was just on the mission to get. And he did that until she showed up at the house where the girl was babysitting the kid. Who? The kid? Smartest character in the movie. Yep, he noped right out. Absolutely the smartest character. He said, Dave, you're going to get killed and ran. (laughs) And then Dave got killed. And then Dave got killed. And you know what I liked about this? So there's the character Dave I didn't like. And I think that they made reference to his dad being Tommy from the first one. I'm not confident in that. But somebody is the son of Tommy from the original one. And I thought that was a nice little throw. I just can't remember who it was. But they set up the rules... Suppose, well, I thought it was Ca- Cameron. It may have been was Cameron. the son of Lonnie. It may have been Cameron, the douchebaggy kid who threw the threw the phone and the punch. Yeah, that kid. Yeah, but what I liked is they said in the original one it spurred all of these rules about if you have sex in a horror movie you're gonna die and the versions live and whatever whatever. What they did in this movie is they that the Dave guy got a tattoo of ten thirty one eighteen. And in one of the interviews that I heard, they were insinuating because of that, that Dave was the virgin in this scenario and that the girl that he was dating was going to take that from him on that night. So they kind of threw those rules to the wind because they killed Dave, who was supposed to be a virgin. He didn't do anything on that night. And it was just kind of a middle finger to all these supposed rules that people said that this original movie set up and they ran with. And I like that little, we're not here to do this. We're going to do it our way. We're going to change it around. And they had a lot of gender. There was a kid who was like a big fan of dance and they made that a part of the movie. And they just threw these little things in there to modernize it. And I really liked the messaging, 
the writing. I really enjoyed the story that they told and the little nuggets that they just threw in there from time to time. I just liked, what I really liked about this was the character of Michael Myers was again, absolute. I loved how we don't know anything about his backstory. We still don't know anything about his backstory. He's just pure evil. And I think that's what makes Michael Myers, especially in this movie in particular, that much more just evil. I can't put yeah. a better I can't put a better word on it because he's just you know, he's not terrifying. Excuse not, me? Hold on. <laughs> he's not like any more terrifying, but mm-hmm. he's not any less terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like he's still got the he's still got it after all these years, even though he's been locked up for 40 years right yeah we hear an audio recording of the late dr loomis explaining further how not only is michael evil but he should be killed he should be put to death he should be burned he should be completely burned incinerated incinerated and his ashes should be disposed of like he shouldn't just he should be destroyed was dr loomis's argument so yeah because We've learned from the first movie and from the timeline, the secondary timeline that while it's not canon anymore, but it still borrows from that Michael does not just die. So you, it's not simply enough to kill Michael Myers. You must destroy him. And I thought that was really cool and made it extra scary, made him extra scary. Yeah. The There's a new doctor in this movie who has been fascinated with Michael Myers his entire life, basically. He, I think he, did he train under Loomis? He was Dr. Loomis' assistant for years. He lobbied to have Michael Myers as his patient. He worked with him for all of these times. And they're transferring him, Michael Myers, out of this Dr. Sartain? Yeah, out of his care. And he's, (laughs) he's really trying to figure out Michael Myers. The biggest twist of this movie came when Hawkins, who's the main sheriff's deputy, is looking for Michael Myers. It's got Hawkins, the doctor, and Allison? Yeah. In the backseat of the car. He Hawkins runs over Michael Myers. The doctor gets out to check, see if he's alive. He's like, oh, you killed him. And the, the deputy, second smartest character in this movie... Tells the doctor to get out of the way so he can blow his head off. And then the doctor, out of nowhere, who's been helping them track Michael Myers this whole time, pulls out a scalpel and stabs the sheriff right, or the deputy, right in the neck. Twists that came out of nowhere scared me a little bit because, not because of the movie, but because I, he has insinuated that he's trying to understand the mind of the serial killer and get to the core of Michael Myers' issues and whatever caused whatever happened to him. It was a very unpredictable moment. It was, but what scared me is that I also have a weird fascination with serial killers and want to understand the mind of them because it's just fascinating to me how they can think that way because it doesn't make sense to me because they're all messed up in the head and I just want to understand. And so whenever he did that, I was like... Oh no, that could be me, but I'm not going to murder anybody. I don't have that problem. I just like to understand how people think, and he took it too far. He gives people like me a bad name. I could say that no one is more scared of that than Andrew and I. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm not wrong. You guys. Have, well, have I'm done. My, I'm going home. Bye. My weird fascination. With, <laughs> That's why with it scares us. True crime and the mindset of certain people. I, know. I bet Dr. Sartain also would have said that he's not going to murder anyone. That's true. But I am not actively working with a serial killer as far as you know. And that's scary. <laughs> it could be. But no, that was a big twist. And I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. And then it set up another twist where people thought they were working together. And then, nope, Michael Myers murdered the shit out of him. That's Here's one thing I will say is that the movie doesn't rely purely on blood and gore to get your attention. Although... There's plenty in no, this No, the movie. greatest aspects of Halloween never did. Yeah. You know, the original doesn't have a lot of gore. And really, the other ones that we watched did not have a lot of gore in comparison to some other films of the time. They were yeah. still fairly tame gore-wise. They were violent. They were violent. They were violent. And they get progressively more violent. Yeah. But they weren't quite... They weren't Saw. Let's put it that oh, way. Oh, hell no. Saw, what? which was really when horror, like, hit the peak of torture porn. Yeah. Well, and this movie does a really good job of escalating things. So I've seen a lot of mentions of how the first few murders in this movie all happen off screen. You don't see it happen or you see something in the distance, but you can't really see anything. And then the first one that you see is when he stabs that woman in the neck in her home. And then from there, they get more and more gruesome and violent but it starts I, I would say off the, slow I would say the first one high. that you say is when he strangles the child in the car oh yeah okay but then yeah well I forgot but about that one's not gory that one's just I mean it's death no but so, that that to yeah. me is when the escalation, escalation starts, starts. So, because yeah. yeah in like the auto shop you don't see him kill the mechanic but you can see in the background the punching yeah so you can't see you can just see a little bit and then the other guy you just see already dead same goes for the podcasters in the bathroom you don't you see you him see. strangle her in her feet, yeah. But yeah, well, yeah, it I mean, does slowly grow from there. You see him bash the other podcaster's head into the door. Yeah, let's talk about these the bloody mess. these kills while we're on it. Um, some of them are fairly creative. The one in particular I wanted to, well, there's two in particular I wanted to try to figure out because we do not see the kill, but they're so grotesque. I'm very curious. The first, the I will call him a clerk because I don't know what else he is. The clerk in the mechanic shop is his jaw is wild when yeah. he finds him. His I can't describe it, I don't think. It's his unhinged. jaw is like definitely unhinged and like hanging weird. And also, Michael took a handful of his teeth. How? What happened there? The only thing I can think of is if he like got behind him and just ripped his jaw like up and down. Yeah, that... <laughs> Like yeah. that torture mask in Saw Wars. And then, yeah, he, I don't know why he took the teeth. I don't, maybe it's just extra, like, whenever he ripped it, dramatic it just came flare. Out. Yeah. I, this is out of order, but it's the other one I definitely wanted to talk about. Is at toward the end when he kills the two cops and leaves them in their car, and one of the heads has been turned into a flashlight jack o' lantern. Yeah. How did he do that? Because it was like so his quickly. eyeballs were gone. His uh, his facial orifices were empty enough to have a light shine through it. Yeah. But you also didn't get a good enough look to see if his head was completely severed. Right. Or what. But that was another one where I thought, how did he do that? Yeah. And why? Well, he just peeled the skin off and then he just put it into a little, put a little plastic thingy. Because he did, 
Yeah, so something like that. Okay. I think that's how he did it. Now I'm the one that's scared. <laughs> you just gotta wonder. Another grotesque kill that I can figure out, but I was still like, he went overboard on that one, was when he stabs Oscar in the back, the drunk teen friend of Allison. He stabs him in the back while he's hanging onto the fence and mm. then decided that wasn't enough and put oh. his head through the fence post so that, yeah, the spike on the fence is going upward into his lower jaw and then out into outside of his mouth it was wild yeah but all that to say this movie's not that gory no, <laughs> no. well and the, the well, i think the goriest kill is the one where he squished the doctor's head with his foot oh man yeah danny that mcbride said that the state this is the stage direction that they put in this from the first draft to the very end quote michael myers smashes his face and his brains shit out that is the stage direction that they gave for that particular <laughs> And they said that is the one thing that never changed in the draft. Yeah, that as that was like a, a jaw-dropping moment of grossness. But it was also the one kill in the movie where I was like, well, that ain't how that would work. No, that's not. <laughs> that ain't how that would work. But I missed it. But it was like a, damn! I, yeah, we were, we saw this on the night it came out. Yeah. And there was a lot of reaction to this. I mean, there, <laughs> I mean, amongst other things... That was one of the th- that was one of the few things that got the most reaction. Yes, the head stomping. A great movie to see with a lively crowd. Yeah. So we mentioned a couple times Danny McBride. Danny McBride co-wrote the script with the director and another writer. He's mostly known for his comedy work. Obviously, Eastbound and Down and Pineapple Express and Vice Principals on HBO. Very funny guy. I don't know his writing filmography that well. I don't know what kind of writing he's done, but I don't know that he's done a horror movie before before this one i thought he did a great job with it oh yeah i felt like the scene in particular that was that felt like danny mcbride's voice was the uh, the little boy that vicky was babysitting though i felt like every line from i know y'all talking about smoking weed (laughs) i could hear it in danny's voice yeah and i loved that well, yeah. that, that kid, and then the two police officers who were talking about their lunch. The, ba- the, the Bonnies, yeah. yeah. That was really funny. And Danny McBride, and I think one of the things that is interesting is that he has said there's a lot of similarities between horror and comedy in that it doesn't get a lot of respect. And horror and comedy are both about setups and payoffs. And so you can set, kill up, and then you have to pay off. And you can set a joke up, and then you have to pay off. And... You can put humor in a horror movie and it still be a horror movie. And I think this movie does a great job of putting actual humor in there with the kid who's being babysat, with the police officers who are bantering about their lunch. Because you can just see that being a real situation. And they're just sitting, they're on a stakeout. They got to keep themselves busy. They're partners, so they're obviously very familiar with each other. They're bantering, and that's something that would happen. And it's funny. But then immediately it turns back to something scary. And that is a brilliant way to take people out of it, give them a dose of reality, and then boom, hit them with something terrifying. I love the concept of a horror movie that has comedy. Because of all those reasons of how they connect, but also because laughter puts... Laughter makes you comfortable. It gives you a false sense of security in a movie like that. And also, what do people do when they're afraid? They laugh. People laugh when they're afraid. So to put comedy into a horror movie it really throws you off as an audience member because 
you're awkwardly laughing because you're scared. Then you're genuinely laughing because something funny. And then before you know it, somebody gets a knife through their neck and you're terrified again. It is a roller coaster yeah. because you just get so yanked around emotionally in a horror com- a comedy horror that it is, yeah, I think it's, I think only the best can pull that off. Yeah, I think, I also think that this is what makes this movie more fun because you don't, in a horror movie, you can expect, I mean, it's just kind of taking what you just said there. In a horror movie, you're kind of expecting something horrible, I mean, horrible, no pun intended, to happen. But like, you know, you're you're expecting somebody to get killed in a very gruesome way. And yeah, that just that that just that sets it up in a good way, but also makes it very unpredictable. So, I will say, in the last few years, horror movies have gotten smarter in their writing. Right. And this is just a prime example of that. On the, and I'm glad they did. I'm uh, glad they did that. So. On this note, we had you know one of the biggest horror movies of the last few years, and definitely of last year, Get Out, was written by Jordan Peele, who is well known for his comedy. It had humorous aspects to it, but it was also absolutely terrifying. Yep. So I, maybe more comedy writers should consider horror from sure. time to time. Yeah. I'd be on board with that. Can we talk? We mentioned it a little bit, but we... Go ahead. Oh, well, just to, again, just to say, the movie A Quiet Place was written by John Krasinski, yeah. who mm-hmm. got his start in comedy yeah. with The Office. Yeah. And, then, and now he's trying to be an action star. See how that works out. Yeah. People like Jack Ryan. Let's talk about the women, because this movie is loaded with strong female characters, and it's awesome. Hell yeah. Laurie Strode is obviously a badass. But I think that the most interesting character is Judy Greer's, because she is a badass sneakily, in that she went through a lot of crap with Laurie. She came out of it strong, independent. She got into fights with her mother. But she was able to get through those issues. She was taken away by the state. She lived her own life. She's married. She has a kid. She stands up to her mom. She does her own thing. And in the back of her mind, she still is able to hold on to all of those things that she was taught as a kid. And that comes together at the end of this movie when... Laurie Strode has been taken out of the picture for the time being by Michael Myers. She, Judy Greer's character, Karen, and her daughter, Allison, are in the basement of the house. Michael Myers is about to find them in the basement, and she's got a gun, and because of the way they've built her character up, you could she starts crying and is screaming, I can't do it, I can't do it, and you easily believe that is the truth, and that Laurie Strode is going to come back and save her, and then she's baiting Michael this whole time, yep. and he comes up to the stairs, and she just goes, gotcha, and shoots him in the head. It was amazing, and I loved it. It was a sneaky badassery that was just so good. Because I totally thought that she was going to be able to like, crumble under the pressure because that's not what she wanted to believe, and that Lori was going to come out of the middle of the nowhere. Shot him in the head, and then Laurie was in the dark that said, Happy Halloween, Michael. And then they all three kicked his ass, trapped him in the basement, and set the whole thing on fire. It was a perfect ending, I thought. Yep. Okay. I don't have anything else to say about that. Yeah. No, I agree. That's it. Because the thing is that it's it was a great ending to it. I don't think Michael Myers is dead. 
He can't be dead. He's got to come back for the trilogy. Let's look. Let's fast forward and predict the future a little bit. Where do we go from here? So, we have in this world that we have previously lived in with Michael Myers, the timeline. You don't know the years, and you don't know what relates to what and who relates to who and which one comes after which one because it's all a convoluted. You know that H two O is the twenty year anniversary, so you have that. But then there's like Halloween Resurrection after that, and you don't. But Michael Myers never seems to age either. In this one, there is aging. Yeah. Michael Myers is older. You see him. You see that he is older. You see that Laurie Strode is older. She's aged. She has a daughter. She has a granddaughter. So eventually, if they keep making these movies, Michael Myers can't live forever. Why? Because he's a human. He is a human in these movies now. He's aged. He's not supernatural. All of that stuff is gone. That doesn't exist in this timeline. Unless they decide to go. I think, I don't, I would, but it may not be explicitly said, but he is, he is shown to be more, I think he's shown to be a bit more than human. I mean, he gets, he gets shot in the head. He gets gets run over, like, and still gets up. Sure. He gets stabbed. And that's where I question, is he human? I think that if, I mean, if this core group of people stays with the movie and they decide to go that route, I think they'll do it in a good way. But what if they throw it in a loop that you don't expect? So here's, after seeing this movie for the second time, here's a prediction. Way out in left field. Let's just throw this out there. Okay. At the very end of this movie, it ends when you see all three women in the back of a truck. And Allison has a bloody butcher knife that she had stabbed Michael Myers with. Oh, I'm so mad about where you're going with this. Yep. What if... I hate it. I hate it. I already know and I hate it. <laughs> I'm not a fan of it, but I'm just throwing different scenarios Go out Go ahead. Say it. What if, eventually, what Allison went through traumatized her to an extent to where she, instead of becoming like her mother or like Lori, goes down a different path and ends up being a Michael Myers-esque type person. So I don't know if you... Should be a Michelle Myers. If you know this, because I don't believe you watched it, but that's essentially Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Oh, is it? No, I have not seen that in a very long time. Yep. Oh, so Laurie becomes Michael Myers? You know, not quite like that, but she goes down a darker path. Ah, no, that's upsetting then. I don't want that. I don't want any kind of rehash of anything (laughs) Rob Zombie related to this. my My only thing that I would say, if it could continue... If it could continue... It will. Oh, yeah. It, it made $100 million in eight days. It will continue. If maybe 20 years down the line, if they set it down that way, if they... If well, it'll Michael, be in one to two years. Sure. <laughs> but, but I mean, just like 20 years into the future. Okay. I mean, we're if we're talking this timeline. Sure. If Michael comes back and He'd goes... He'd be like and, 80. And goes after... Goes after... Is it... Karen? Daughter. The daughter's Karen. The granddaughter is Allison. Allison is the one that I feel like he'd go after. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Lori just pops up and kills him. Like, for good. With her walker. With her walker. I mean, she'd be... They'd both be in their 80s, roughly. 
In 20 years, yeah. Yeah, if they fast-forward it that far into the future. Age doesn't matter to Michael Myers. No, it would it to Lori. It does to Lori, but it, I, we have no reason to believe it matters to Michael. Because, yeah, while we do not get a good look at his face in this, we can tell he's an older man. Yeah, he's an older But guy. he sure don't move like an older man, I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think they have to be very careful with how they move forward with this because it will be easy to fall into a trap of repeating what's already been done or opening up cans of worms that just muddy the story even more. But here's the thing. They've set up a world now, and I certainly hope that other people in the future take this and run with it. There's no reason to continue along a timeline. Like, if you don't like... So take Friday the 13th. Take Nightmare on Elm Street. They've got so many movies in their franchise that people have tried to incorporate into the lore. Stop it. Go back to the beginning. Yep. And branch off and go in a different route. Take this. If you're a filmmaker and you're a fan of these movies and you want to see the genre come back, take what they've done and go with it. This is the first good Halloween movie. I didn't see Halloween 2. Would you say Halloween 2 was good? Yeah. Okay. So this fine. is fine. This is the first good Halloween movie connected to Michael Myers. Since Halloween 2. The original Halloween 2. All of the other ones have not been great. They've been cliche. Depending on who you talk to. Yeah. (laughs) Some people really love some of those. Yeah, well. Some people really love some of them. But this this is a good movie. With a story. That keeps you intrigued. That keeps you going. And there's no reason that other filmmakers have to continue... Along the stupid lore that has been connected and incorporate every single thing that those movies have done. Go out and branch off and do your own thing and start something else. And and they could, but I'm just making the argument that it will be hard to do that. That will not be an easy thing to do. No. There are, I think from what I've read, they're starting to do that with Friday the 13th. I think they're rebooting Friday the 13th. But I'm not even saying reboot, because they tried to reboot Nightmare on Elm Street and it failed. I'm saying go back to your source, find the pieces that are good, and then go in a different timeline based on the first movie. Because the first movie are the, like, it's hard to remake an iconic movie and totally redo if it's something like this. Like, it can be done. But, like, these movies are so ingrained into pop culture and, like, horror movie classics. Even, like... A Nightmare and Friday the 13th, which may not be as solid movies as Halloween, but the horror fans will fight tooth and nail. So, like, if you try to revamp it completely, you run into a thing of Rob Zombie. So go back to the source material and branch off from there. I, The only thing I'll say about the Rob Zombie is that I think <laughs> Rob Zombie, it just fell into the wrong hands. Because Rob Zombie just tried to Rob Zombie it. But, like Zack Snyder tries to Zack Snyder anything he's ever done. But I think what the problem is, it, did you see the Nightmare reboot? Pits and pieces of it. So they did a similar thing that Rob Zombie did where they tried to delve more into Freddy's backstory because you can't just remake the same movie. So they tr- the trope is to go back into the backstory of these crazy serial killer supernatural things and you don't need to do that when there's a movie that already exists. Expand on it. Don't make... like. Because if you just remake it, shot for shot, it won't be as good as the original. And you're setting yourself up for failure because then people are just going to say, well, you didn't do anything new. 
So then your idea is, well, let's give them a backstory. Well, that takes away some of the fear. So erase all of that. Go to the beginning and then start your own thing in a se- in a sequel. It's funny you mention that because I recently read in an interview with John Carpenter about the Rob Zombie remake, and Rob Zom- or John Carpenter said he was not pleased with the original product that was Rob Zombie's Halloween, and he went so far as to disown it, like he wanted nothing to do with it. Rob Zombie doesn't like, or John Carpenter is not a fan of most of these movies. He didn't. He never wanted to be a horror movie director. He wanted to be a western director. Sure. And so I can see that when Jason Blum, who's the Blumhouse Productions, is the one that has the rights to this now, went to him and was like, "I want to do a Halloween movie." He was like, "No, but they've all sucked. Why? Well, I don't want to be a part of it." And so the pitch eventually got him on board, but like. Yeah, John Carpenter's not a big fan of most of these movies. Where I think they run into trouble going forward is if they tr- if they take a risk and try to diverge from having Laurie in the movie or someone in her family, I think that's where it gets really messy. Because when you look at... In the past, when whenever they tried to reinvigorate the story, they brought back Jamie Lee Curtis. And I think that's because Michael Myers needs her and she needs him in the story. It's like doing Harry Potter without Voldemort. Yeah. You need Laurie and Michael to do a proper Halloween movie. And so if they try to take the risk and diverge from that, I think that's where they might run into trouble. And I don't see how much longer they can keep doing Laurie and Michael, but I think they are so ingrained and connected to each other that it would be very hard to separate them. Sure. And I think... That's my argument. I think you could do Lori, <laughs> Michael, and either Judy Greer's character, Karen, or Allison. Allison probably makes more sense. But then you run into the trap of how is that story going to be different than It probably Lori's. wouldn't be. And that's what's... That's why I... That's why I think this is a really big, risky move to keep doing it. I think they will. I know they will. I just am... My hopes for the third one are lower than this, than this one was. Yeah. Just because I think it will be very hard. we have anything else? Or are we going to try to move on to whatever minimal box office stats we have? I mean, there's still game coming, so... Right. Right. Well, so... Jamie Lee Curtis tweeted some records out the other day that this movie broke. And bravo to Jamie Lee Curtis. I know I've said that previously, but Yes, excellent job in this movie. According to Jamie Lee Curtis's Twitter account, Halloween 2018 is the biggest horror movie opening with a female lead, the biggest movie opening with a female lead over 55, the second biggest October movie opening ever, which we knew was just set by Venom earlier this month, and the biggest Halloween franchise opening ever. So lots of records for this movie. Hit $100 million in eight days. It will. It surpassed $100 million Friday the 26th. So it's killing it. It's expected to... This podcast will be released on the Monday before Halloween, and it should be the number one movie for a second week in a row by then. It's wild. Granted that it's October, that doesn't really surprise me. Yeah, but I think it would have done well anyway. 
But yeah, I mean, you got to know your market. Yeah. Personal score, I would rank it four and a half out of five knives. Uh, five second, four and a half. I think originally I gave it three and a half, but low. Yeah, but I think after seeing it again, I'm gonna rank. I'm gonna give it four. I really liked it. I liked it a lot, and I compared it to the first one. It's a fun movie. Yeah. Yeah. They did a really good job. Rotten Tomatoes. I'm gonna go with a seventy. Seventy. Yeah. So I remember seeing it at one point, but I can't remember what it is. So the number that's in my head, I can't remember if it's right or if it's just my guess. Okay. But I'm going to say 86. I was going to go with 90. Okay. 79. Is that exactly what you said? I said 70. 70. 79. All right. There you go. 76 is the audience score. Cool. Wow. I figured it'd be a little higher. I don't know. How about that? It's pretty high for a horror movie. It is. They don't usually... They don't usually come out fresh these no. days. Outside of your hereditaries and your get outs. And your quiet places. I don't remember what the original places. one was. But I guess it's kind of... They didn't have Rotten Tomatoes at the time, so it's kind of whatever. Oh, it's not working, so that's good. Yeah. I've enjoyed this series. I know that we didn't do them all, but there's too many. It's been a nice little October funness. Yeah, I thought for sure I'd get sick of any movie this long, but I have not gotten sick... I've not only not gotten sick of Halloween as of this, our final Halloween recording, but I also think I have a new favorite Halloween season movie. Yeah. I think I never really gave much thought to ha- Halloween before this, and now I can't imagine not watching it on, yeah. during Halloween season. I think this is one that I will revisit every year. I, now, this movie in general, or? The original, and it's one sequel. Sure. <laughs> okay. All right. This one, That's yes. fair enough. It's fair enough, because like, I don't think I could do... I can't do all those other movies. No, I can't do all those, but I respect their place in the franchise. I'm glad most of them exist, because it kept this going for so long. I don't know how much of it could have sustained itself without some of those movies. And you know, I'm glad that it helped build this huge following that it has now. Because for every movie that sucks, there's people that love that movie. And that movie that sucks may be, that, may be the movie that got someone into it. Yeah. So I respect the, it's each one of their places except for Resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> that one was really bad. What yeah. about the Rob But Zombie? somehow, like I said, it's still not but as some, bad as Rob Zombie. I, didn't, I don't like that movie at all, but some people really do. Which one? Zombie. The, the oh. Rob Zombie. And that also, seeing Rob Zombie's Halloween may have made someone go back and watch the originals. Who knows? Yeah. I can almost guarantee that happens. So I respect each of their places in the history of horror cinema. I really respect what the original movie did to the horror genre. And now I need to get it on Blu-ray. Sure. (laughs) And watch it again. I'm already excited to watch it again next year. I would wait till after Halloween. Why? It's not Christmas decorations. I know, but like... It's not how movies work. But like after after that, the prices on it drop. No, they don't. Yes, they do. There's not a Halloween movie 50% off sale on November 1st. Yeah, but right after Halloween, nobody wants it anymore. Oh my God. It's just like... You can get good deals on candy. On candy? But not on a Halloween movie. A movie is just a movie. It's not like I'm buying pumpkin heads... (laughs) <laughs> like they have to get rid of all their pumpkin stock so they're like here they're 50 percent off it's not how dvds work <laughs> some do 
Speaking of other movies. You've broken my brain. Speaking of other (laughs) movies. If you find it half off after Halloween, you let me know. Okay. If you find it half off after Halloween, I'll buy all three of us a copy. Well, hot damn. So there's your mission. But it has to be half off. (laughs) I'm not made of money. All right, I hope everybody enjoyed that encore discussion of Halloween from 2018. If that was your first time hearing it, I hope you enjoyed it. If it was your second time, I hope you enjoyed it too. Before we go into the uh, rebroadcast of our Halloween Kills discussion, I just wanted to take a second to thank everybody for listening to the show and supporting it. If you haven't done so already, please go sure to make follow us on the social media platform of your choice. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, bookmark so many sequels.com and subscribe to the show in your favorite bri- uh, podcasting app so that you can get new episodes delivered right to your phone whenever they are released. And if you really love us and you just want to support us even more, which of course we welcome and appreciate so very much, uh, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash so many sequels and pick one of the tier. We have a couple tiers available to supporters who would like to financially support that's very low cost of entry i think our our bottom tier is at a dollar so if you could do a dollar two dollars five dollars if you could sign up and and help support the show that way we would deeply appreciate it helps us uh keep the website running invest in good audio software and equipment and it helps us just keep the show going and of course we will be sure to thank you for doing that there are some perks involved in getting on our patreon you get access to our discord where you can talk with us and some of our other pod squad friends about whatever's going on we talk about movies we're not reviewing we talk about movies we are we talk about movie tv news we talk about memes and games it's a fun time so Patreon.com slash so many sequels. You can do that there. Thank you for listening and supporting the show. So, without further ado, here is an encore presentation of our 2021 episode about Halloween Kills. We're kicking it off with a movie that it doesn't get more Halloween than, which is the latest entry in the Halloween franchise Halloween Kills. Mm-hmm. Talking about Halloween Kills, that was my pick for this series each week. One of you. One of us will each pick a movie, and that's what we'll talk about. And Halloween Kills is first up. I'm excited. I I didn't get to do the Halloween series with you guys the first time around. That's true. It's true. So it's great. It was great to it's great to get in on one, as they say. Yeah, faux show. So this picks up like right after the 2018 Halloween Kills, literally like moments after. So. For a refresher, the last movie ends with Lori and her daughter and granddaughter have trapped Michael in the basement and they're burning it down and they're riding off into the sunset. But he survived because, of course, he does. And can I ask a question? Yeah. So, did the last movie end with the fire trucks headed to the house and them being like, Burn it, burn? Yeah. Is that new? I think so. Yeah. I don't remember, actually. I think it did. I think it did, but interesting. interesting. So so we're brought right back into the story. Lori is rushed off to the hospital, but Michael is on the loose and just restarts his murder spree. And I'll also say we might, you know, if people care about spoilers, we'll talk about spoilers. Okay. Yeah, that's probably that's where we start off. Who wants to kick things off? Talking about what they thought. 
I thought it was a, I thought it was a very well done sequel. And I think if I love how it just picks up right where it left off it even better. It just, from the minute it starts to the minute it ends, it doesn't stop the thrill ride. Like it's like, it's like the movie is coasting on pure adrenaline. Yeah. And you know, that's how a sequel should be. (laughs) Yeah. You run into a danger with slasher sequels. Sometimes they can be good and sometimes they can just continue to build on the kill. Right. And and that is a lot of, especially with these old reboots of these original serial killers, you go back and you can listen to our early episodes about how they kind of, you know, veered off path. There was not really a story and it was more about the kill. And so you run into a danger of what's going to happen here because it's already happened once. And I think that this does a good job of really doing a good job of continuing this story. I think that it's not quite as good as the first one, obviously, but like that's not a bad thing. It is fun. It is brutal. It gives you that satisfactory of the slasher kill that you want, I think, a lot more than I got from the first one, just because I felt like these were more brutal. You get a little bit more from Michael than you've had in the past, like especially whenever he's fighting all those firefighters. Like that's some stuff that I haven't seen before. She's really like the Mr. Miyagi of murder, where he is so calm at everything he does. He doesn't attack. He's He almost does murder as a defensive and it's really strange the way that he yeah. sets it up. So it's a lot of fun, just like Andrew said. I think that it, and it left me excited for the third one. And I think that's key where the story was good enough to keep me excited for the trilogy. Yeah, brutality, I think, is uh, to go to the fact, the one word thing, that's the one of the takeaways <laughs> from this movie. Yeah. That's all for a different perspective. I I have seen the very first Halloween. I watched that a few years ago. And so there's uh, there's elements of this that obviously still draw from that original timeline. And uh, But I did not watch the Halloween 2018 sequel with the, the but I did listen to y'all's podcast, which was very informative. <laughs> I didn't know about the podcasting. <laughs> That's really interesting. They're being like, I was a... So to offer a different perspective, I'll say that it's very interesting that this movie chose to see it based on what I know, pull the perspective kind of off of the Schrodes a little bit and put it more on the town of Haddonfield and what their experience with this, this situation, this series of murders that took place 40 years ago. And now, you know, as, as far as the movie go, is concerned mm-hmm. that night, we're still in the same night as the previous film. So very interesting to see. How the crowd, how the how the town is responding, and that's really what this is about. Like a mob in town. I tell you, what a comedy of errors for this town because it is just like does not work. They try to rally together to take down Michael Myers, and does it? it not only does it not work, it if anything, it turns out worse than it would have if they had done what David would do, which is get the heck out of there. You can find me in Tulsa, Texas. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. I enjoyed the movie a lot. It was really fun. The Halloween is my favorite slasher series. So I always have a good time jumping into a new Michael Myers adventure. I liked that shift of focus that you mentioned, David. It was kind of cool to see the town respond, especially since they tied a lot of the new side characters into 
even deeper. They were even deeper side characters in the original movie. You know, you've got these little kids who are featured in the old movie now grown up and still living in Haddonfield. And they kind of take over while Lori is hospitalized. And I like that a lot. That's just a cool perspective shift that I don't, that we haven't seen before. You know, it was cool to see that they have this weird friend group dynamic where they go hang out at the talent bar talent show on Halloween night and retell the story of Michael Myers as if it's not a traumatic event that they <laughs> try to forget. Or they talk about it like it's their 9-11. Yeah, yeah. And that's fair because it is a very messed up event for those involved. I like that. I did enjoy the kills. A, a good slasher movie must have kills, as we all know. They have changed over the years, obviously. The first Halloween movie, there's no blood in it. It's a slasher movie without blood, which is interesting. Now, now there is an epic amount of the gore. To knock on just a couple of things that I thought could have been better, this movie works really well as the middle piece of a trilogy, but it doesn't work so well as its own film. And it is right. possible for sequels to do both, you know? It's not a self-contained story. It doesn't really have a beginning or an end because it's tied so closely to the first movie and obviously to the setup to the third. So that I think could ding it a little bit with people who are maybe just not big fans or didn't see the first one. So I'd be interested to hear how people react to that. But... Well, David, what did you think? You haven't seen the original or the 2018 one. I didn't see it. You know, did you feel I lost up, watching, picking up immediately after the one you had seen? I only felt lost in that I was having to kind of establish relationships a little bit which like who's Lonnie's son like I like so early on you see as referenced in the podcast there's a kid who got like who got to you know punctured on a fence post right and uh, uh, you see a kid dressed in what looks like a Girl Scout uniform right for Halloween calling that guy and not being able to get a hold of him and I was like okay so there might they might have had this might be a continuing story from the previous film that you find uh, Coach Yost, Will Patton, the deputy laying, you know, dead in the, you know, not dead in the street, but injured in the street as, and we know how that story ended. Now I didn't know. So I'm having to, again, piece together who is continuing on a story from the last week and who's just now being introduced. I wasn't sure if like Anthony Michael Hall was in the previous film. Uh, no. he's Mary in this film. Like the, he's almost one of the, he's basically one of the main characters of this film. But once I kind of made the connections of who is whose kid and who is, you know, who's doing, who's in charge of what in this town? Everything that I didn't matter after that. So I would say there was a little bit of like, <clears throat> there was maybe like 11 to 15 minutes of confusion in the beginning. And then, and then everything made sense and everything was fine from then on. All right. All right. That's good. It's good to hear. I can totally see that because it does, it really does pick up in the middle of the action at the end of the first one. It doesn't have its own, you know, typical beginning with establishing the story it really is just like okay michael is still on the run so yeah that makes that makes sense to me. i do appreciate they give us a, like a nice flashback to 1978 and like filmed kind of yeah like in a way they'll represent now did they do that in the first one with flashbacks to the uh, the original film i don't remember it so i'm gonna say i don't I remember that know i can't remember either i wish i would have watched the 2018 one before going into this and I would recommend that to people if you just want a refresher plus it's just a good movie and it's Halloween time so please watch it anyway Amen. but I think it would have helped 
just to kind of refresh a few things, because I also was kind of trying to piece a few things together. Like I remembered it pretty quickly. It was just kind of one of those things where it was like, okay, who is this? And like, how are they connected real quick? Let me remember. I also think that the focus off of the Strodes, while I think it was necessary because again, you run into the same situation of if we have two movies planned that he keeps chasing after the Strodes and the Strodes keep fighting after them, you know, you have the same movies essentially. And so this is really the first time you see them kind of take a back seat and really focus on the town that has been terrorized by it. So that is pretty cool. I think that they gave us three really strong female characters in the first movie. And I think just based on the story itself, they did not get to show it much of anything, which I think is unfortunate in the storytelling process. Again, I don't have a problem with the story that was told, I just don't think that they gave the people that people want to see enough to do overall. You had Lori stuck in the hospital the whole time. You had Karen kind of just running around screaming. And then you had the daughter whose name I can't remember attempting to do a little bit more and be a little more active. I just think that she was outshone by Anthony Michael Hall, who they put more emphasis on. So I think they didn't necessarily progress those three characters as much as I think they should have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it definitely, when I realized what was, what was going on, I was like, oh, I know that they had, a, you know, obviously the first movie is probably like mostly them and they're, they're after the story. So they're kind of, they're kind of sidelined for a bit of this. No, that's not to say that they don't have moments. I mean, right. Jamie Lee Curtis is, as uh, Lori is relentless, man. She's relentless. She is. She will not be held back. And you can tell that Judy Greer is her daughter. Karen is really it kind of feels like caught in the middle because she has a daughter that's really gung ho, and she has a mom who's really like, you know, I want this has to end. And she's kind of sitting there going like, it can't end. Like, like we tried. Like we did our best. We did everything. We hit this guy with everything, and he he came up, and he's still coming. And, you know, the funny thing is, like you talked about the fireman earlier, it wasn't like the fireman accidentally set him free. He just kind of popped out of the garage like, yeah, what's up, guy? You know, like it wasn't like he was like almost about to survive and then like the firefighter saved his life or something, not knowing what he was doing. Mike, Michael did not seem at all slowed down when he made his oh. awesome entrance. Calm, cool, collected. That's the way he always is. No, and later on in the movie, when Lori is talking with Officer Hawkins in the hospital, they appear to be steering us toward this idea that Michael is this almost supernatural being who mm -hmm. is, uh, might be feeding off the kills. Like the, the yeah. kills might be making him stronger and fighting back might make him stronger. And, you know, at the end there, we see he f he is lured into yet another trap where the whole town basically is now going to just attack him mob style. And again, spoiler warning, they do. They beat him into submission and then just goes ham and wipes them all out effortlessly, almost as if beating him made him a superhero. <laughs> or Venom, like the fiend, you know? Yeah. Can't be beat. You know, it's wild. That's why I'm even more intrigued to see how the finale is handled because, you know, these movies never truly end. But I do think and believe that Halloween Ends coming out next year is intended to be the final movie in this version of yeah. Halloween. At least that's what I'm hoping. 
So it's probably going to go the wayside of life. How will they kill him? Yeah. Or will they at all? You put him in jail again. Worked out so well last time. I think that it didn't work out for like 40 years or 39. It didn't work out for a long time. That's true. And then it didn't. And one crazy doctor. <laughs> no, I think that it'll be interesting to see because you're right. The lore of Michael Myers is so convoluted to an extent. Uh, he's not supposed, he's just a dude. He's always just been a dude, but like some kind of supernaturally thing where he can always survive too. But it's not like Jason or Freddy, right? He's just seemingly a dude. There's just no, there's no answers to the questions that you have. But yeah, I mean, you see him get straight up shot and stabbed and beaten and all of this stuff and he shouldn't be able to survive. And then, yeah, it just gets up. And so it is going to be interesting to see how they handle that. For me, I think... Again, you're right. These movies never end. It's all about a franchise. It's all about a name recognition, right? I think that you can easily do that in a different way where instead of it being Michael Myers, it is just a Halloween and it's like a branch off, you know, a copycat or something. And you tell a different story as someone just taking that theme and inspiring, like terrorizing another town or another group of people. And it's a different type of story. That's the best way to keep a serial killer situation going. Because I don't think that it's the right idea to focus on the killer because then it just becomes this person's going to kill this person in some crazy way again. You have to tell a story and the killer can be part of it, but it can't be about them. It has to be a cop or something. Yeah, I want this. I want to say that there were times in this movie that I got genuinely like, I got genuinely like, like frustrated. And I got frustrated for several reasons. Like number one, you know, if you were hell bent on killing someone like that, like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if they like just got him in the head, you know, just ended it, you know, just do that right there. But no, they go everywhere else except for that. It's like even shooting mm-hmm. him in the heart isn't doing anything. It's just like, for the love of God, like, what have you all not learned? Yeah. I also thought a Where? couple times, like, he's on the floor, slice his head off. Yeah, yeah. for real. Like, in like, in the what, what do they do? They stab him in the shoulder. No. Yeah. And, 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 and back of the neck. Yeah, like, you, you, it's like, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Because yeah. now we know he's got he's to be living. So, and, you know, it's stuff like that. And there are several times, like, man, these people can't shoot. They, they just, but again, they're they're awesome. I mean, these people, I, I all of these people, stormtroopers, they're horrible shots. We got to pull out the Oki version the last night. Boy, I think <laughs> good thing that Michael Myers ain't come to Oklahoma. Everybody got a gun right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what are these people doing running around the bats? There's a guy out there looking like Hacksaw Jim Duggan hitting him with a two by four. Where are your shotguns, man? Where are your weapons? I will say. Yeah, you've got to go one step too far when it comes to these serial killers, man. I mean, like, you cannot just, I get it. I get it that you don't have the killer instinct. You're just a regular old person out there being terrorized by a killer. But you've got to go too far. You've got to take that Jesse Eisenberg double tap. You've got to make sure they are dead. Yes, slice their head off. Explode it to smithereens with your shotgun. You have to obliterate this thing cut his legs off if you can't if you're too afraid to cut his head off or something the man needs to walk 
hard to cut somebody when you're when you're crawling around like this. Although, yeah, but, but to Michael Myers, but to Michael Myers, all is just a flesh wound. Did you all have any, as far as like mm-hmm. kills, did you have any favorite kills? I think mine, there were a couple, but I think the one that stands out, and I think they could have done it just a little bit more crazy, was I think, is it Cameron, is that his name? When he, they smashed him through the stairs and he just kept smashing his head. I was waiting for his head to just fall off. Or when yeah. he came down the stairs, I thought he was just going to like rip it off. Rip it off his head. That's what I twisted it around. He like Pepsi twisted him, but I thought that one was particularly brutal. For for me, it has to be the whole Scooby Gang that is driving around. I don't know if these characters were in the last movie, but you have the nurse, the guy who's dressed like a doctor, and the the girl's dressed like a nurse. Although they're reversed, she's a doctor, he's a nurse in real life. They're driving around with these two Michael Myers survivors, and they come across some kids. And these kids are typical Halloween a holes, right? And they tell them, hey, get out of here. Michael Myers is about, you know, Michael Myers shows up and these people do the least effective job of fighting a fighting Michael Myers I've ever seen. The lady shoots a mask that he's holding, right? Then he gets in there, just stabs her and the guy's in the back seat going. And then he thinks, I'll strangle him with my prop stethoscope. (laughs) Prop (laughs) aside, which is not a good way to strangle somebody, strangle like this. So Mike just looks at him and goes, she is right inside the guy's eyeball. The eyeball, yeah. His girlfriend, who had the gun, comes back, shoots four of the worst shots I've ever seen. Yeah. And then Michael, like this was some John Wick stuff right here, kicks the door to flip the gun into her own face and shoots herself in the hand. For I literally guffaw, I went, <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be funny. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I like, that was the silliest death I've ever. You have to have over the top kills, and that one was certainly over the top. He looked like eighty, and that was like. And then I got to ask. I don't remember this being a factor of the original Halloween film, but does Michael Myers? Is it a thing that he poses his victims in semi funny positions? Yeah, like a running get bit in this movie where he's like posing them on merry go rounds, and he takes the gay couple and he puts them in the position that they're in that photo that they have of themselves. Yeah. Like, is that a thing? I don't remember Michael Myers ever posing people. Well, yeah, he, he, yeah, he did. In the very first movie, in the 1978 Halloween, he did mm. do that. Like, with several of the victims towards the end, like, he put them up in, like, a closet. Wow, and yeah. Hung one upside down. He even brought in, like, a gravestone. Oh, yeah. Which is him. And in the next one, in Halloween from 2018, he cut off that one cop's head and put him as a jack-o'-lantern. That's right. Okay. Okay, I, I thought I just don't. I just didn't remember that as being a thing. And it also seemed very like Michael went out of his way for that because he was chasing the one lady, and he clearly goes across the bridge, right? Yeah. And, I, and then when they came back and they found the bodies, I was like, "You tell me he walked back across the bridge and was like, yeah. <laughs> murderer's work is never done.' <laughs> he even put even carved pumpkins to put on their head. I know that's got it. That was like forty-five minutes of work. What time is it? Three thirty-five. Yeah, for as slow as he is, he works fast with stuff like that because it's like, and it's also very elaborate. Every step is well thought out. I guess so. He's, he's a smart serial killer. He's the smart one. He's <laughs> like, one of the things that you always see is he's very calm. And again, that's why I was like, I, you know, he's very chill whenever he's doing his murder he, sprees. 
And everybody else is just running and panicking. And he's just like, you can run, you can panic. I'm going to walk. I'll get you, I'll get you eventually. I'm going to lift it from your deep panting breath. I really enjoyed the fluorescent bulb to the neck. Yes. That was a fun death to me. I yes. do think the best but one I'm was Marcus. woman who shot herself in the face. But the fluorescent bulb was extra gnarly just because he had a knife in his hand and chose, nah, I'm going to use the light bulb instead. Because and he, more just, and more he just did his own little canvas art piece in that guy's back with all the kitchen knives yeah. just for fun. Yeah. And he had the other knife, right, yeah. put it down, grab the bulb. Yeah, Mike had clearly been watching some 90s backyard wrestling and he was like, oh, a light tube. I can make that, can do something with this here. There you go. Well, she had a knife too and that had more reach. So he was just like, okay. Okay. Yeah, but I also, sorry. Anger, you got one? Yeah, in the very beginning when Michael reemerges and he kills all the firefighters. Yeah. And he has the, like the one firefighter saw. It's like, died in a horrible way. Yeah. No, and also let's not forget. I think there was one person who ended up in half at one point in time. I don't know what that was, but in like half? I remember, yeah, like someone got I shot in half or something that. like that. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. I do remember seeing body pieces. I mean, are we yeah. talking about the guy who is forced to jump to his own death after the mob mm-hmm. tries to murder him because he was no. in pieces, and that was yeah. very. That might be the darkest part of the whole movie. Yeah, you're talking about a legal nightmare. No joke. joke. Yeah, all you people are arrested. A, inciting a riot. That's why I'm sitting here, if you're, if you're Tommy, right? Is that his name, Tommy? If you're Anthony Michael Hall, you might as well go for Jason's head, man. You're already going to jail for inciting a riot and forcing a guy to suicide, basically. But you yeah. might as well go over the head. Go over the head. That's yeah. true. Do not slow down. Yeah, Tommy was a bit of a hothead. I didn't know how to feel about him for because... He would go in and out of annoying me. His uh, desperate need to show his alpha maleness was a little much. Yeah. He wanted to take control of the situation. Mm-hmm. And while you're kind of on his side because the situation needs right. to be taken control, it's clearly should not be led by him. Yeah. No, because he doesn't sell it. No. Lori sells it a little later when she says, you know, the police have failed me. I'm going to kill him myself. And then you're like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> Literally, the s- entire system has failed to contain Michael Myers, so she has to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to feel bad for these hospital workers, you know? Oh, gosh. They're not prepared. Bad enough. They got, you know, COVID bed shortages, and now they got this guy out there slaughtering people left and right. Well, at least Michael wears a mask. <laughs> with the bottom, <laughs> I, love that. I love that. I love the updated mask with the burn marks on it. You know, it's a little bit, it looks crinkly and ragged, yeah. you know, it, it's got a bit more edge to it than, than it's had in the past years. It's cool. Okay. So before we move on, what does everybody think about the very, very ending when it appears that Michael might have just murdered Karen in the window of his home? Uh, it's a fantastic I think, ending, I think. Yeah, it was a good ending. Yeah. I knew it's knew a fitting ending. You knew he was right. going to show up, but he, the way he showed up was scary. It scared me. The ending, I mean, the, I didn't expect that to be the end. So, yeah, they did. It was well done. I mean, this yeah, poor he, girl, Allison, has been fueled by avenging her dead dad this whole movie. And now he might have taken her mom, too. I don't want to get in her. No, it's so well punctuated. The moment where he shows up and does it punctuates this great speech by, by Lori. 
or she's talking about, like we said, fear only makes him stronger and trying every kill makes him stronger. He's the embodiment of fear. He's not just a guy who killed people on Halloween. He basically like he is Halloween, you know? Yeah. Like, and it's not going to, she, you know, from Lori's perspective, she doesn't think it's going to end until he dies when she dies is how she views it. So, you know, it's going it, to, it's great. I think it's a good ending and I think it, it's a perfect setup for Halloween ends. So, which I assume will come out around the same week as Venom 3. And so the first Halloween came out with Venom and the second Halloween came out with Venom. Yeah. I do think it's rather fitting and it gives Laurie Strode motivation to be the hero of this. <laughs> so, so I'm ready for what that entails. Yep. All right. Well, any final notes? Because the clock is that's, that's it for me. Okay. Well, I believe we should have opening weekend numbers to for you to show us. What do we got? Well, we do a pretty solid opening weekend. $50.3 million for Halloween Kills. It's the third straight week that a movie's made $50 million in the box office, which is a good sign for the theater industry. At number two, you had No Time to Die. $24.2 million. We reviewed that Jeff's last week. Go check it out. 56% drop week to week for that, which is a, that's an okay drop. Venom, Let There Be Carnage finishes in the number three spot, three spot with 16.5. And then at number four, you have Adam's Family 2. And at number five, the debuting Last Duel, starring Adam Driver, Matt Damon, I think, and Ben Affleck. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, so yeah, a, a good selection of movies there as something for everybody to enjoy, I think. I was going to try to look up here where... It's going to sit in the Halloween franchise, but, you know, we can wait and we can make that determination a little bit later because, like I said, it is opening week. I believe Halloween has been reinvigorated. The last Halloween movie did huge numbers. So this is, this is, this is good. This is solid. And I'll leave it there. And Sweet. Garrett, you won last week for the letterbox game. I did. I am ready whenever you boys are. If anybody would like to start making guesses upon what you think the letterbox community is ranking Halloween kills. I'm going to go with 3.6. 3.6 for Andrew. I'm going to... Oh, go ahead, Josh. Oh, you would want me to go ahead, wouldn't you? I'm going to take it down a bit from 3.6 and say 3.1. Well, that's very similar to what I was thinking. I'm going to say at 3.3. 3.3, so we have 3.6 for Andrew, 3.1 for Josh. And a 3.3 for David. And I am going to tell you all that I'm pretty sure that I think that you're going to be surprised. We're sitting in 2.8. John, I, I have a feeling that we are going to be higher on this movie than a lot of people based on what I have seen. I think that the people are not as high as we are based on yeah, that and based on a couple of other reviews that I have seen and heard from people. Yeah, I already know that it's got a, I think it's holding a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's from critics. I, I didn't see what the audience review was. The audience review might be higher. I don't know. That's interesting. You know, for my score, I was actually going to give it a three and a, I was very entertained by it. I thought it was, I thought it was good for what it was supposed to be. And I'd watch it again. I had to. It, it wasn't like so, it wasn't so scary or anything that I would never watch it again. Like a lot of horror movies, but it was, it was good. Yeah, it looks like yeah. the Rotten Tomatoes audience score is a 72%. And E minus cinema score. 
All right. Which, as far as horror movies go, I think makes it pretty well liked enough. Because horror movies are hard to get people on board with. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that it was a pretty good horror movie. I think that it was, I'm going to give it a three and a half because I am excited about the story that they left us and that they are leading into. So I think that it did a good job of transitioning. Yeah. It is a three and a half for me as well. It, I will, I would also mention three and a half sounds about right. So I know you guys gave the first one like four and a half. And I think I get, you said you gave it a three and a half. So I feel like it's a probably not as, I mean, having not seen it, I don't know if this was as good as the 2018 version, but it's, I mean, it holds in. If I gave the other one a three and a half, I will have to bump it because that's it. No, because you rechange, you changed your whole system. I know. That's why I got to reach. That's why I got to change everything. Got to reevaluate it. So let me ask you, what do you guys think? The Halloween? Now we haven't seen every movie. You guys have seen more than I have. What do you guys think for the franchise as a whole? What would you, what do you think you would rate it? Like as on, on the same scale, five, five, how do you, it's Halloween, like a 2.0 franchise, or is it like a 5.0 franchise for you? Yeah. For me, it's like a three. It's like a three. This is the 12th yeah. installment of Michael Myers for the record. 12 movies of Michael Myers. It's a lot. But keep that in mind when you think about that, because I think that more of them are bad than are good. It's true. But of the ones you've seen, what would you say? Like you've seen Halloween, what? One, two, three, zombie. <laughs> we didn't watch enough of the bad ones. Probably a three and a half for me still though. Yeah. I would give it a solid three. Yeah, I probably would guess a three. That would be my safe bet of leaning. Yeah. Yeah, I'll lean there because of the ones I've seen, they've all been pretty good. I think the ones that are good are better than most slasher movies, which helps it a lot. And then the ones that are bad are just forgivable enough most of the time. Yeah. And I appreciate the risks it's taken. Like I, you know, I still think it's, I think it's cool that Halloween three went off the rails and did a mini side story that doesn't happen in a lot of other franchises. I think this one gets high marks for me. 